Come on, let's give God a praise in this house. Yeah, there you go. Let passion arise everywhere, not just in the baseball field. God bless you. You may be seated. Yes, indeed. God is worth shouting about. And the more I get to know God, the more passionate I become for God. How many are learning to love God and know God more? Every day. You ought to be. Some of you didn't vote because you're getting your Bible out, your pen, and your paper. I know you're getting ready to take notes. I know that you're very busy. Uh, But how many are thankful that you know God better today than you did yesterday? Amen. You ought to be growing in the Lord. You ought to be growing in the Lord. If you're not growing forward, you're going backwards. You can't be neutral in the kingdom. You have to be moving. If you don't take up the space, how many know the enemy is going to find something to take up that space? If you don't fill your heart with God, how many know the devil will pull, pull a distraction on you? He'll distort you, distract you, divide you, conquer you. He's trying to find a way to put traps and snares before you. But how many know God's making a way? The Holy Ghost wants you to move forward in the kingdom. And I do too. And I told you Miss Melissa's not here. She's my biggest amen, so I need some backup. There we go. She's on the front row. And uh, and also at the end, I'm probably going to need some help too because she usually when it comes down to closing time, she does this. So if I don't see anybody doing this, Bear, can you feel Miss Melissa's? Oh, just preach. Bear said just preach. She's in children's church. I got free reigns. Hallelujah. We are in a series called God Knows. It's rocked my world, really has, number five today. And the topic is sovereignty. It's a big topic. It's a major big topic. And uh, and one that a lot of pastors are probably just trying to ignore, put away, because it's not easy, is it? It is it just. It's a it's a tough one. If God knows everything, then uh, then why, uh, you know, what, what does that mean? Do we lose our free will? Do we lose our choice? The answer is absolutely not. I mean, no, we still make choices. And we still have to answer the consequences for the choices we make. Uh, simply, uh, God is in control. He is sovereign. And I want to talk about that today because what it done, what it's done for me, knowing that God knows, it, it helps me know that He loves me. Shirley, is that you? How you doing, sweetie? I miss you. Good to see you, Shirley Schmalucka. My goodness, I love you. Welcome her home back. I mean, she's been out for a while and we, we just miss you. Just miss you. I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm a little ADD squirrel. You know, I'm easily distracted. So basically, when you think about the, the topics that we've been talking about in, in uh, knowing God or a fact that uh, knowing that God knows all things, we talked about his omnipotence. It means he's all powerful. We talked about his omnipresence. It means he's present everywhere at the same time. Anybody agree with that? Of course, we talked about omniscience, his omniscience, that he knows all things. And so it doesn't negate the fact that we uh, also uh, have a free will. Are you with me? And so uh, it's, it's, he's absolutely free to do as he pleases and to, distrib- uh, to demonstrate his absolute control over the actions of all of his creatures, or to put it another way, he permits for reasons unknown only to himself uh, people to act contrary to his revealed will, but never allows them to act against his sovereign will. His sovereign will. Our God is sovereign. Can somebody shout amen? Nobody to this point in history has told God what to do. Or if they tried, it didn't go out well. God does whatever God wants to do. So there's a part of God that uh, Jeremiah says his ways are higher than our ways. I mean, he's asking us to know him, uh, and therefore it's our goal, right? 
How many came today to know a little bit more about God? Just one of his characteristics, his, his attributes. He's infinite, no beginning or end. He's the first and the last. Powerful. I said powerful is our God. He's so powerful and so mighty and so big and so majestic. And he's infinite. There's nothing that God cannot do. Amen? So it's important you catch this because if you don't catch this, you're not going to be able to understand the rest of it. Nothing he cannot do. And, uh, and, and so he is holy. That means uh, he's without a trace of evil or deception. There's no deception about him. He's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to manipulate you. You do have a free will. You do. He didn't create robots, right? He's not, he's not predetermined you. Uh, the, the absolute ridiculous doctrine that God would create a being and then tell one they're going to go to eternal hell before they even have a choice, and the other one going to go to eternal heaven. Uh, what, what kind of God is that? Not one that I want to worship. Are you all with me? If you know God theologically, you also, also need to go, know God in, your, in his nature, like common sense, which, which common sense is going out of the window. It's gone. People don't have a common sense approach to God and theology. And so we want you to learn that God is infinite. He's also holy. He is unchanging. He cannot lie. He is loving and merciful and compassionate. He told Moses when Moses asked, I mean, oh, Moses had the audacity to say, what's your name? God said, I'll tell you my name, buddy. You want to know my name? You can't handle my name. I am, right? And I'm not, I'm not just I am now. I was, I am, and I will be. That's who I am. And I will have compassion on who I will have compassion and mercy on who I'll have mercy. Moses, you don't worry about it. You just walk in obedience. I've got this. Nobody can tell God what to do. He's God. If ever you become mightier than God, he ceases to be God, and now you're God. So let us know, and we will bow and worship you. Forget that noise. We're going to worship God. Amen? He alone is worthy. So he is sovereign, which is our topic today. That's our topic. He is not sleeping. He's not unaware of what you're doing. He knows all things. And, uh, and so uh, he is in charge. He's in control. Uh, nothing catches him unaware. And you can trust a God like that, can't you? Absolutely. So I just want to tell you that uh, unless you think you're greater than God, uh, he's still God. I said God's still on the throne. No reason to panic. Pastor, there's a lot of crazy things going on. Yeah, I think about the people who got stampeded just this weekend over, oh, forget where it was, South Korea, Seoul, South Korea. Went to an event. Somebody famous showed up. I mean, nobody's more famous than Jesus. They stampeded and killed 148 people dead in eternity. Hope they knew God. What's the church's goal? Make sure we tell everybody in every language on every planet. Come on now. I mean, on this planet. <laughs> I don't think there's any other life on any other planet, but some people do. And so, do, 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 do. Star Wars crew never did get into it. But the greatest threat to our knowledge of God, the priority to getting to know our God, is pride. It's our number one threat. Pride hinders us from understanding who God is and the nature of God and the power of God. And so I, I just think it's important that you catch this because 
if you don't understand, then then um, then you're never going to be able to to comprehend who He is and what He wants for your life. Okay, it is imperative that we keep on believing. You want to know God? You want to get to know God? You got to learn His characteristics. So I I think that uh, Daniel four is an incredible transforming truth about sovereignty of God. I want to share it with you. It comes from Daniel four, and all the people. Uh, uh, of all people that, that can help us teach this lesson, it is King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, a heathen king, not a Jew nor a Christian. A king that uh, just a few chapters earlier uh, took three boys and put them in the fiery furnace because they didn't bow down. Are y'all hearing me? And yet he makes this proclamation. I just want to go through it because it blows my little pea, pea brain. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he makes a proclamation to the whole world, like a press relief, right out of the Word of God, Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And, and he tells about the majesty and the sovereignty of our awesome God. Look at this. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the peoples, nations, and uh, speakers of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. If, if you had to find out what the point of this message is, there it is right there. Pastors preaching, knowing God's series in a culture that's gone berserk. I mean, absolutely lost it. No hope, hopelessness, panic, fear, frantic. Don't know where the next thing's going to happen. People stand all those stampede to death just in, a, in an event. You don't know. And fear can grip our hearts. But look, this wicked king says, have peace. Look what else he said because it's blowing my little mind. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. Here's a pagan man who believed uh, maybe in the God of, of, of Daniel, okay? Remember in chapter 1, he, he had Daniel come to be with him in Daniel, and he said, Some come to my table and eat, and him and his servants are like, hey, hey, um, I'm not certain. We, 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 we want to pray about this, think about this a little bit. We don't want any of your wine and any of your delicacies, meat offered to idols and such as those things. We are God's people. We are worshipers of Yahweh. Therefore, we're going to think about it. Thanks. But no thanks. Can I tell you, we need to, to stand up as believers in God. We need, as a Christian community, we need to stand up and say, there's some things in this world we're not going to take part of. We're opting out. We're opting out of pagan worship. Three Hebrew boys, everybody in the place, they bowed. But not those three Hebrew boys. They stood and it cost them. How many know it cost to stand up for Jesus? And the day is coming, Old Grove, listen to me clearly. You don't have to fear. You ought to have peace. But you got to know that God is, is in control. And here's a pagan king telling us of the wonders of the Most High God and what he's done for him. How great are his signs. How majesty and mighty are his, his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. That coming from, from a pagan king. The theme of the whole book of Daniel is God's kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom, and he, and he is the king. He is, it is his dominion, and it's from dominion, his dominion is from generation to generation. It was, it is, and it will be. Does anybody here believe God's still on the throne? How many thinks he deserves a worship and a clap and a praise this morning? Come on, give him praise. He's still God all by himself. He doesn't need anybody, but he chooses. 
to let us be a part of the equation. It's amazing to me, Max, that God brings us into the equation. Knowing God gives us a sense of authority. Daniel 11.32 says the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. If you know God, you ought to be able to stand up. Amen? And, 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 and listen, Daniel was catching some of this as a youth. He was seized in Jerusalem, uh, ripped away from his family, from the covenant religion of, of Yahweh, transported to Babylon as a slave to King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and here he's making a decision. Let me give that some thought. He, he realized the king's dining room served wine that had been offered to the, the heathen gods and food that violated his Jewish dietary laws. So he went back and told the king, no, I think I'll decline. Mm. I don't need the king's delicacies. I said, this world doesn't have anything for me. I said, I've got something the world can't give and the world can't take it away. We've got to hold on to that thought because, uh, because it's important that, that uh, if we're going to be growing in God, it, it, Daniel knew his God. And every, every time I look at this, every time I look at this story, it makes me stand up a little straighter and hold my, up, my head up a little higher. I mean, you know, it's time for the Christians in the day to stand up bold and strong. It's time for us to be who God called us to be. It, 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 we aren't the victims. We are the victors. We're God's people. We can be strong. Those who know their God can be strong and do great exploits. It's not time for us to hunker down and be scared and fearful and nervous and anxious every time something they watch the news. How I many know oh, God's still on the throne? He's sovereign. It's a message we need to keep on preaching and believing. The people that know their God shall be strong. We've been saying for weeks now. God knows. He also wants to be known. You can know God, and you may not feel like you know anything this morning, but you can know God. And the reason I started this series is because I'm finding the longer I lead in the 21st century church, the less I realize I know. I mean, it started out a few years ago. I thought I knew something. In fact, Max, I thought I could be a little bit dogmatic. This is the way it is. And then I started looking and seeing that uh, sometimes what it appears to be is not exactly as it actually is. <laughs> and I get tricked. I get tricked. But how many know you can't trick God? So follow God. How many know you'll make it to your destination and your destiny? You veer away from the Lord. So I, so I don't know what kind of sense of... Uh, uh, strength you have in your spiritual life today or what kind of exploits you think God's going to do with you. But I want to start by telling you that before you can do any of this, you have to understand the sovereignty. The word sovereign means as a verb, it means to rule, it means to rule. As a noun, it means the king or absolute ruler. And in the in the Latin, sov means over and above. Sov reign. I mean, oh, the Lord reigns and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Amen? God reigns. And you can look at Ephesians 1 in the New Testament tells you. So, so what does this have to do with our worship, Pastor? What does it have to do? It has everything. Emphasis on the everything. Emphasis on the right syllable. You've got to get this thing right. The more we understand his sovereignty, the healthier our worship will be. And our servanthood will be. And, and, our, and our walk with God will be stronger. We can be courageous. We can be strong and courageous and do great things for God. But if we're feeble and anxious and fearful, I mean, we're going to hide instead of do what God's called us to do. So the first step in understanding is humility. When I think of his sovereignty, I think, man, he is 
way bigger than I am. How many has discovered that? That God's bigger than you? If you haven't, I'm here to bust your bubble. You know, sometimes we can have a big self, you know, assessment and think we're all that and something else. There's a lot of people who think they're all that. I met them. None of them come to our church. But there are some people who who think they're all that and something else. And, And it needs to start with humility. Knowing God humbles my mind, allows me to trust him with all my burdens. It humbles me. When I put God in his right place, I shrink. Remember what Isaiah said when he saw the Lord high lifted up and he saw himself? Uh, it's, it's kind of a John the Baptist mentality. He might increase, so I must decrease. Right? It's, it's putting God in his right place. And the subject humble, humbles the mind to me. No subject uh, that we talk about humbles the mind more than thinking of God. It also, it also not only humbles the mind, it expands the mind. Have you ever just sat? And looked at the stars. Have you ever stood on the seashore and watched the ocean as it expands across? And as far as you can see, the horizon. Have you ever done that? I've done that on vacation, just praying and walking on the beach and just and just contemplating our God. He is massive. He's so big. And the Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So I figured to myself, Jim, why should both of us stay up all night? If God's not going to sleep, then when my head hits the pillow, I'm going out. He's not on vacation. He hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't forgotten you. But isn't it something how the enemy, when we get into our first scrimmage, our first struggle, our first temptation, our first trial, boy, the enemy will make you think that God has forsaken you. He's left you, and he doesn't care nothing about you. But but he does. Amen? He often thinks of us as we should often think of him. And, uh, and we should have a larger mind than the man who simply uh, plods around the globe with no understanding of who our God is. They wander around aimlessly and lost because they don't know God. That's why next Sunday is so important. How many believe in missions? Seven billion people, maybe seven and a half billion people on the planet. And half of them have never heard of the name of Jesus. And so they're searching around, looking for everything to fill the void in their heart. But just because you don't have the answers doesn't mean you are an imbecile. doesn't mean you don't know the answer. How I many know oh, Jesus is the answer? And you have Jesus, therefore you have victory. I said, he's, he's made it, so we're going to make it. Amen. I want you all to, uh, to be with me on this because he knows all things. And you're humbles. he humbles our hearts. And our hearts are humbled, and you know, uh, and you trust him with what you know, and you trust him with what you don't know. Remember one of the things I told you last week or, uh, or a couple of weeks ago was that I'm, 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 uh, I'm not perturbed by what I don't know, okay? I'm thankful for what I know. I'm content with what I know. I'm not perturbed by what I don't. So many times when we don't know something, you know the fear of the unknown? Have you ever heard of that? The fear of the unknown? Yeah, it's a fear of the unknown. So, Pastor, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to our nation? What's going to happen to our world? What's going to be next? Well, I mean, no, Jesus knows. And if he knows and you trust him, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And so I think anxiousness gets on on us and, and, uh, and takes away our faith and our confidence. And we're not lost and confused. 
we know who God is. And how many know he has a plan for us? God gives grace to the humble. The Bible says he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was very proud. He erected a statue. My goodness. And he thought he was something. I want everybody to bow to that. Remember that? In, in chapter 3. And then you get on over to chapter 4. And you see he opens up with this incredible proclamation. What happened between chapter 3 and chapter 4? He had a dream. He had a weird dream. Uh, a weird dream. How many of you ever have weird dreams? You don't have to raise your hand. People are looking at you. Thinking you're a weirdo. But you're not. We, we need to know that God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. But God, looking at, at uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, gives him this dream and uh, none of his little naysayers could uh, interpret. It reminds me of Pharaoh in the Old Testament. Joseph coming to interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh. Same thing happened. Daniel comes and interprets the dreams. And, um, and so Nebuchadnezzar couldn't find anybody. Once Daniel comes, he tells him what's going on. And God does something so amazing. He gives grace to the man. He says in, in one year, you got 12 months. I, I want you to know if you don't get this straightened out in 12. How many glad, glad for the grace of God? Come on, how many glad for the mercy and patience and grace of our compassion of our loving God? He's not some God trying to defeat, kill everybody, make it hard, kick you all the way to heaven. He gives a whole year, 12 months for this man to get to figure this out. And yet, and yet um, he does not. The, it's powerful. As Daniel interprets the dream, he said, that's you, man. Kind of like, like Nathan, the prophet, telling David, you are the man. And, uh, and you can go back and look at it in chapter 4. We don't have time today. But it's a powerful, powerful story as, as, as Daniel begins to interpret the dream. And, uh, and God is trying to tell and teach you and me something through a pagan king. He said, if you don't get this right, you're going to be in the pasture uh, with the mind of an animal, like a cow. You'll be eating grass, chewing the cud. His nails grew uh, and his hair grew. Uh, a man, a man, he, he was so mighty and so big and so smart smarter than God, believed in many gods, but he thought maybe Daniel's God was a big God. He thought anybody like the three Hebrew boys, their God, that's a pretty awesome God, most high God. So he was kind of like a mixture between, man, their God, he, I believe in all kinds of gods is what he believed, in all kinds of gods, but their God probably the biggest one. I mean, no, God is only God all by himself. There is no other gods. I said, he's the one and the only. So he didn't quite understand, but he, uh, but he sure did after God humbled him. And uh, it was a moving experience. That was good, wasn't it? I made that up on the, on the cuff here. It's funny. Turned into a cow. Turned into an animal. Insanity. Insanity. I wonder if God's not putting some stuff on some people today. Yeah. You repent or I will I will have you out in pasture. So he's chewing the cut. I don't know, three and a half years or seven seven seasons, whatever. Uh, I'm not a, a prophetic scholar, but I know for a long time 
he's doing that until until he comes to his right mind. And he repents. And God gives him his sanity back. And he makes the declaration that we have read. How many know you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up? You finally say that God is God. Didn't Pharaoh say that? He was kind of the same way. Moses uh, convinced him ten plagues of Egypt. And then he finally at the end when his son died, he said, your God is God. Remember that? Did you ever watch Charlton Heston or that guy? Maybe you get that. You don't know the Bible, but you maybe know Hollywood. Your God is God, he said. Your God is God. And that yet he didn't believe it. Listen, there's a difference between believing and trusting. I just got to tell you. You remember the guy who was uh, the tightrope walker who wrote, he had the tight walk uh, across Niagara Falls. And he would do all kinds of tricks, man. He was something else. He'd balance out. Then he'd get a wheelbarrow. And go across on a wheelbarrow, and uh, so he had this uh, this uh, celebrity from England come over and and was watching him at Niagara Falls, and and he said, hey, he said, um, you are great, you're great, and he said, yeah, well, he said, uh, do you believe I can do this? To which the celebrity said, yeah, absolutely, I believe. <laughs> he said, well, why don't you get in the basket in the wheelbarrow, and I'll pull you across. And he said, no, thanks. What's the difference? He believed him, but he didn't trust him. I mean, oh, trust is bigger than belief. Your belief has to go to another level when it comes to trusting God. And when you get in, this is the message for the day. When you get in a place where you don't know the answers, you still need to do more than believe. You need to trust. This is what Job said. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It goes a, a whole other level of believing, right? And so when you're talking about the attributes of God, you got to know that he is all of the above. Amen. He's in charge. He's in control. He hasn't gone to sleep. And when you know your God, there's a sense of confidence every day. God uh, represents for us security and strength and confidence. I mean, no, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. Arrogance is pride, puffed up, believing in self. Confidence, we will do great exploits because we know our God. Our confidence is in the one. Amen? And so if you want to tame the beast within, you need to, you need to raise your eyes toward heaven. If you want to get pride out of your spirit, you've got to lift your eyes toward heaven. David said, I lift my eyes unto the hills from whence my help comes. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He goes on to describe creator of all things. Amen? He's the beginning. He was before time. He'll be here after time. He's here now, and he will be here forever. So if we don't, uh, if we don't raise our eyes to heaven, uh, we won't see the Most High God. Verses 34 through 37 gives us a whole lot of, of a lot of things. But humility is where it starts. Okay. And the secondly, when you understand, it creates a, a greater sense of peace and serenity. Peace and serenity. You can't have peace until you know the God of peace. Amen. The God of peace will help us. We basis our peace. It comes from the fact that he, he plays everything out according to his ultimate plan. It's not about me and you. His will be done. Somebody shout today, his will be done. Come on, thy will be done. Even Jesus at the garden said, Lord, if there's any way any of this could pass from me, I'd just rather not. But nevertheless... I'm going to the cross because you willed it. 
It's part of the plan. It's part of the mission. You knew it from the beginning of the earth, right? And so God wants us to know. We grasp the significance of the sovereignty of God because he cares. He cares. This is, this is some of the things. We grasp this because, because we're victors, okay? He cares, and our cares are lessened when we believe in his sovereignty. We have peace. Also, our hearts are calmed. Man, there's a lot of people in panic. How many of you had a panic attack just driving down Glenstone? I was driving down Bennett Friday uh, to head to the post office, and somebody was coming out uh, from right there by Kraft, uh, that, that little street there, whatever it is, and a little sports car. And I mean, hit the gas pedal and turned that little old sports car all the way around, completely around, heading straight for my car before he pulled it around again. I had a little bit of a panic moment. I mean, no, that's not the way it usually happened. Usually you turn left and you get in your lane. You don't come toward me. I mean, no, the world has gone mad. You don't know what's next. Tomorrow night, you know, tonight, uh, while we're having this inside, is to get some of our kids off the crazy streets. I mean, there's some crazy stuff out there. And uh, so, Pastor, we do have a reason to, to be worried. No, no, no. You don't have to be worried. You have to be wise. You don't have to be panicked. You have to be at peace. And you don't have to be alarmed. You just have to be alerted. Be, be understood. Don't let everything get you. Your, your hearts are calm. Your spirits are lifted. If you know his sovereignty, your days are brighted. Your future is going to be all right. Nobody can defeat, defeat uh, or stop the purpose and plans of God. No one can resist his will. Now, you can resist his revealed will. You can, go, you can choose to go straight to hell if you want to. But how I many know if you'll give your heart to God and surrender your will to God's will, how I many know he will take you to the destination? It's all about surrender. It's all about surrendering your life to him. Isn't that what we say when people come to the altar? Are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Isn't that how we say it? So you can't have two people on the throne of your heart. Either God is in control of your life or you are in control of your life. But it is a big decision, isn't it? Satan couldn't do it. And neither can we stop the plans of God. Satan thought when Jesus was on the cross that he had won. He thought, man, countdown, right? Ten, nine, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus is dead. And there's some in the world today in our culture that think Jesus is dead. How many know he's not dead? Come on, God's not dead. He's very much alive. And if God's alive, how many know the church ought to be alive? Who's going to believe us that God is alive if we're dead? Well, I mean, the passion that we should have when it's time to worship God, nobody ought to have to coerce you. Your worship should change when you think about, about your perspective changing, knowing that God is in control. What are we going to do, hide in a hole? We are still God's people. God's still on the throne. The word of God doesn't change. Amen? And so at the end of the time, old Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes, and he's, his reason returned, and he acknowledged the sovereignty of God. Look at the account. It's written, Nebuchadnezzar said, I bless the Most High and praise and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or to him 
uh, say, what have you done? Wow. That's what Job, whenever Job had questions, and you might have questions today. Nobody's saying you never ask why. But what if the question, what if the question why is answered with, because you're anointed? I mean, sometimes when you say yes to God, um, sometimes you have to pay a price. Jesus said yes, cost him his life. But didn't it cost him his eternal life? Come on now. He's seated at the right hand of God on high. Come on. That's where he's at. And I think we are so scared to lose control today that we want to try to control everything. And God is not going to share his glory with us uh, or his throne. Uh, His son shares the throne, and that's it. And so he continued on. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways, justice, and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down, Daniel 4, 30 through, 34 through 37. Are y'all listening to me? God is in complete control. Anyone who tries to usurp, usurp authority over our God is going to be placed down. Eating grass. How would you like a little bit of grass pie? How about you eat humble pie and you won't have to worry about eating grass pie? But if you don't humble yourself, how I many know he will humble you? Real quick, like, because he's God and he wants what's best for you. Here's what I've learned there is a God and I'm not him. So I go put my head on the pillow at night and go to sleep no matter what's going on. I have a sense of peace and serenity. It says I'm not in charge. It doesn't all depend on me. The world doesn't revolve around me. I have a God in heaven. I can trust his sovereignty, his holiness, his justice, his omnipotence, his omniscience. I cast all my care on him, for he cares for me. How many know that will change your perspective? And I mean right now. So when you realize God's in control, it becomes a basis of our peace. The issue for the king was pride. It lifts self up over and above God and his word and his will and his ways. And if there's no repentance, there's a price to pay. How well? Do you like grass pie? Tonight we're going to have pie. I'm praying there would be no grass pie. I can't imagine, but uh, he was gross to look at. Long, long fingernails. Hairy like an animal. On all fours. Eating grass in the field. The king, the mighty one. Out of his mind. I wouldn't mess with God if I were you. And so, do you have that kind of peace? Do you understand when God's talking to us today, he's helping us. He's helping us to speak up, to to look up, to see and to reason, to keep our eyes on heaven so we can wake up in order to speak up, right? We don't we don't if we don't, we better look out because God's trying to help us. So so what is it saying then? Right here if we gives us insight Verse 34b, he rules and reigns eternally. That's what it means, that he is, his dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures forever and ever, generation to generation. He's a ruler. There is none other. Can I tell you, whoever becomes president, and I admonish you to go vote, I admonish every born-again believer to get to the polls and vote, and vote like a man and woman of God. Not just what you think is best or confused about. 
vote according to the Word of God and, and a biblical moral com, uh, conscience. Uh, vote right. Vote. But whoever becomes a president, how many know they're not the mightiest? And Putin, he's not. I can't say the Chinese guy, but he's not in charge. God is still in charge. And always will be. That's what that means. Eternally. He's sovereign. He's the sovereign. He is greater than the greatest. Verse 35a. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. You and I are nothing. Without him, we can do nothing, John 15. The sooner you get down to that place, the better off you'll be. But if you're trying to keep this pecking order of our society today, stepping on whoever you got to get to be ever to be the biggest and the brightest and the best, can I tell you what? You can look at Old Grove and say, man, is this the best church in town? Listen, we may not be the biggest, but we have a big heart. And it's a heart after God and after the mission of God after the plan of God, after the will of God, we're going to be a congregation. There's a lot of churches today that are crowds. It doesn't mean that they're a congregation. Are y'all hearing me? A bunch of people walking in the will of God. And as the church culture drops, according to the secular culture, they're trying to be like the world. How many know you got to separate yourself from the world and be the church? doesn't matter if they make stupid stuff into law like legalizing marijuana. It doesn't matter. If it's intoxicating, changes your mind, right? Drunkenness is still drunkenness. Pharmaceuticals are still pharmaceuticals. You don't legalize. I wish I had a loud amen. That's why I'm scared when I'm driving down Glenstone. So he's greater than the greatest. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. You think what you know is what everybody ought to do? Take your opinion and bring it to the word of God. Let God be the all let God be God and every man a liar. How about that? The third one, he does whatever he pleases. Verse 35b, he does all as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the and the people of earth. He does what he wants in heaven and he does what he wants on earth. If he wants to take King Nebuchadnezzar and bring him down, make him eat grass, that's what he did. That's why Job asked these questions, and then God said, okay, are you finished at your whining session? You want some cheese to go with that? And God said, where were you when I flung the stars out in the sky? Hey, Job, I get it. I know you're confused. You lost everything. But don't forget, you didn't lose me. And as long as you have me, you still have hope. And remember what God gave Job? A hundredfold back. A hundredfold. So we always focus on what we lost. We never realize what we have left. And so Job said, if the skin worms eat me alive, yet I will trust him. Wow. Wow. I hope this is sinking in. Look at the next one. He, he, uh, he not, not only does he do, do what he pleases, he defends himself to no one. Verse 35c, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? can't question God. God knows what's best. Now, you can ask why, because God cares enough about you to reason with you, to explain some things to you. How many found out living for God is not for wimps? It's not for the light and faint-hearted. If you're going to be all the way to the end, how many know you're going to have to <laughs> sometimes crawl to church? Sometimes you got to take your hand out of your pocket and force yourself to praise the Lord. 
You got to open your mouth anyway. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, bless the Lord. What did Job say? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Let the Lord will be done. James said, hey, don't say I'm going to this city or that, doing this and doing that, do whatever I want to do. Who are you? Who do you think you are? That's what my, that's what my family used to say. Hey, little Ronnie, who do you think you are? I'm imagining that God looked down before and said, hey, little Ronnie, who do you think you are? Well, God, I thought I was something. I'm a pastor. Don't you know who I am? I love the story of Doug Clay, our superintendent. He went to a church in town here, and he went to the nursery to get his, his uh, grandson. And, uh, and he didn't have the little ticket to get uh, the kid out of the nursery. And so, and so he, said, uh, he said, I come to pick up my grandson, gave the name, said, who are you? So I'm Doug Clay. He said, uh, you're, not in, you're not in the uh, registry. I'm sorry. To which he replied, but don't you know who I am? I'm Doug Clay. I'm the superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And the little lady said, I'm sorry. I don't really care who you are. You're not getting this child. <laughs> and Doug was like, well, praise God. At least I know my grandbaby is protected in this church. You ain't getting this child. You don't have authority to get this child. Who do you think you are? I'm Doug Clay. Praise God. Take your title and go sit down. That's what they said. So he defends himself to no one. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? How many of you ever thought God gave you a, a raw deal? I mean, God, I mean, remember Mary and Martha? And Mary said, hey, master, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. My brother wouldn't have died. It's your fault. Can I tell you, when you start to blaming God, first of all, uh, we'll get to it at the end for the action steps here, but when you start blaming God, how many know you don't have any other hope left? If God becomes your enemy, you're in bad shape. But before God becomes your enemy, usually the church becomes your enemy. And before the whole church becomes your enemy, usually the pastor becomes your enemy. How many know there's a trickle-down degradation here? We don't like authority. We don't like to be told what we need to do. We like to do whatever we want to do. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. There's a, a order God places. And uh, and, so, and the ministry is really tough because you sometimes you want to defend yourself, but you can't. Hello? You can't always defend yourself. You just have to go with it and hope people can figure it out. But uh, the next one, he never makes any mistakes. Anybody glad about that one? Verse 37b, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. That means God never makes mistakes. Are y'all getting anything? If this slide was the only slide we had, is it? Oh, because I'm not there yet. Oh, no wonder I'm not. I'm not sliding on my slides. Uh, he never makes any mistakes. Verse 37b. Sorry, Max. I know you're taking notes. You should take a picture. Do it later. Uh, it means he never makes mistakes. It's not so. He's just. And if the outcome didn't come out the way you thought, how I many know it? It may. It may be that God has a different plan. So a whole lot easier for you to submit to the will of God, to the plan of God, because we see through a glass darkly. We're limited in our uh, cognition. We don't know everything. We're not infinite, but his wisdom is infinite. So I would rather trust in him than to try to figure it out myself. I don't know where I'd be without the Lord. Can somebody say amen to that? Where would I be if it were not for the Lord? I'll tell you what, it'd be a mess. I have to trust him every day. 
And you'd think after 35 years of pastoring, you'd know something. And that's why I'm doing this series. I, after COVID, have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. just want to bless you. Don't tell the board that. They might get rid of me. I'm just trying to tell you. Uh, I used to know a few things. It's a different world, isn't it? And guess what? The world we're in now is quickly changing. And the world we're going into, your mind can't not comprehend. You're going to want to run under a rock. You're going to want to crawl in a cave. You're going to want to get rid of it. It's going to be all around us. Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. And they'll come to your door. Perverted. You haven't seen it. Have you read 2 Timothy chapter 3? In the last days, perilous days, uh, times will come. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Haughty, high-minded, pride, arrogance is going to be through the roof. Bigger than God. They don't even believe in God, right? There is no God, what they're saying. And anybody who believes in God, you should be silenced and censored. You think the church is low now? How many know you haven't seen anything? If we are still able to go in public, we'll be few. If we go underground, we might grow bigger. But your life is going to be on the line. The way I see it, unless one other thing. How many know we could go in the rapture? How many rather take that option? Okay, I'm opting out of persecution. I'm opting in for the rapture. Come on now. How many believe God can take us right out of here? But if not, look at the Hebrew boy said. Hey, hey, turn up your furnace. Go ahead, King Nebuchadnezzar. Turn up your furnace. My God is able to save us. That's what he said. So no, he never makes mistakes. And finally, uh, well, let me see. Let me go back. Uh, he deflates those who are proud and puffed up. He put that man out to pasture. So it's best to drop to your knees. Understand the will of God, the sovereignty of God. It causes you to focus on him, not yourself. I mean, our response should be to fall on our feet. Actually, fall on our face. Every time I see uh, the New Testament when, they, when they, Jesus and John, the revelator in Revelation, when they see uh, a glimpse of who he is, they fall on their face. That's dead. It's so powerful to me. And they give him everything. How many know he owns it all anyway? So pride is not the sole possession of the powerful, the rich, and the famous. It controls every one of us if we're not careful. Most of the personal and church problems we have today a result of pride. The awful sin of pride causes us to lose sight of who God is. Are you all with me? Never allow pride to creep into your heart. Recognize it. Repent while grace is available. See, Pastor, how will I know? Y'all can come back. Uh, worship team, you can come back because I'm done. It's 15 after. So you can have like a 15-minute nap before you have to come back at 4.30 or 5 o'clock. It's going to be a wonderful time. I hope you all come. I hope you all come. Uh, it's going to be a good time tonight. This is not an easy message to preach. But I can tell you the point is, there's an awful sin called pride. Pride. Love of self. And it makes you lose sight of it. It creeps into our lives in subtle ways. So, Pastor, how do I recognize it? Well, when we do something bad, we're quick to blame everybody else. I mean, it's a good sign. 
or when you do something good and you want to take all the credit for yourself. I mean, that's a good sign. Pride. That's why when we're here, we always say, we are. Come on now, we are. You never hear me stand up here and say, I am Oak Grove. Because Oak Grove's a little bit bigger than just me. If you want to see Oak Grove, you can't just see us this morning. You have to go around the world. Can somebody help me out here? Oak Grove is in Thailand this morning. Good morning, Thailand. Or good night, whatever they're listening to online. You have to go to Papua New Guinea. You have to go to Japan. You have to go around the world to see Oak Grove. You have to go because Oak Grove has been sent out from here all over the world. You have to go to Kansas City. You have to go to, you have to go to Kentucky. You have to go to Oklahoma. You have to go all over the nation and around the world to see Oak Grove. You know why? Because we and us, not me and my. Big difference. Big difference. When we magnify our accomplishments and minimize our errors, while magnifying the sins of everybody else and minimizing their accomplishments, that's pride. When we put our needs and concerns ahead of everybody else's needs and concerns, I mean, no, that's pride. When we'd rather live our own life our way instead of God's way, that's pride. And seven things God hates. Number one is a proud look. It's just, it's just, if God could be, if God could be grieved, and he can, we know he can. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Pride is the number one thing. So we wrap this up this morning. Let me just see if I can help you flesh out this. It's a big, it's a big teaching on sovereignty, and we, we don't know that we can exhaust it all. But it's about God's rule and authority and power. It's easy to just say, yeah, I agree, and forget it. But I think there's two things we can, we can do. We can recognize, we can, we can repent and do right. Repent and do right. We can, we can submit to his love. I said love because I believe if you submit to his love, then you ought to be able to submit to his lordship. There's a lot of people say, I love him. Remember Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Well, then feed my sheep. See that? Then go ahead and fulfill the will of my will. Fill my will. If you love me, do what I'm telling you to do. Submit to my lordship. Submit to my leadership. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have no need of nothing. He leads me. He loves me, and he leads me. So if I submit to his love, like Jude said, right? I get under his umbrella of love. I am my beloved's, and he is mine. His banner over me is love. If I, if, I, if I keep myself in the love of God, he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. If he loves me, he's going to lead me. Can I just tell you, Oak Grove, today, Ron and Melissa Moran love you. We love you. Why, we didn't run away for the first little scrimmage. I mean, we fought some devils since we've been here. We fought some devils. They're... And we, and we say there are issues. They're not people. How many know all people are valuable? All people are valuable. But we, we deal with issues, principles that are not up to standard with the Word of God. And at the end of the day, we're going to stand up for righteousness. And we're going to trust God all the way. How many believe God can help us all the way? So I renounce and I repent. I surrender myself to His kingship, His leadership. Look what He said. He, he, he was just so powerful what he was saying. I submit myself to you, Lord. I separate myself from sin. 
12 months to repent. I don't know how long you have, but tonight, uh, to this morning, I ask you, if there's pride in your heart, get it out. Let God get that out. If you have a, if you have a bitter spirit, if you have a problem in your spirit, get it out. How many know it will be a root that will go far down and come up far uh, higher than you want it to be? So I want you to stand with me this, this morning. We got, we got 10 minutes. If I quit too soon, the children and children's church leaders will have a panic attack because they didn't hear this message on peace and sovereignty, tranquility, serenity, trust, surrender. So, submit to his lordship. The altars are open. If you need the Lord to lead you, you need to surrender some things to him. Father, we praise you. We exalt you. We honor you. King of heaven and sovereign God, because everything you do is right, your ways are just, and you're able to humble those who walk in pride. I pray this in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open. God never called you to go around correcting everybody and straightening everything out. How many know he's got this? He's got this. You don't have to be high and mighty. Just relax. Let God lead you. And if you can let him lead you, he'll help you learn to lead the others. We're going to worship the Lord. You come. Sing with us. What a mighty God we serve. Come on. He deserves our worship, if nothing else. If you don't have anything to repent of, maybe you, your, your worship can be enhanced this morning. Worthy is, Worthy is the, the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Come on, let's sing out to God a new song. Sing it. Sing a new song hey. to Him who sits on heaven's mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today. Holy, holy, holy is the God Almighty. Yes. Humble us, Lord. Give us your peace that passes all understanding.
every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess you are God you are God and there is no other there is no other Father God give us this confidence today because we understand your sovereignty it should give us peace faith replacing fear peace replaces anxiety trust and confidence authority because we stand with God as God stands with us you are in control would you say that old grove real loud with me God is in control say it one more time